0: This episode of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry is brought to you by Densdeck Roof Boards. To learn more, go to densdeck.com slash stop callbacks.
1: Welcome to Stories of an Extraordinary Industry podcast, a production of the National Roofing Contractors Association. I am your host, Crystal Ribble. This podcast is all about telling stories that would make you proud of the great things being done by the roofing industry, and you might learn something along the way. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you like what you hear, give the podcast a thumbs up and a rating on whatever platform you are listening. Our last podcast was about a guy by the name of Terry Tilson, who was this year's winner of the Best of the Best Award given out by the Roofing Alliance. While Terry is a special individual, it takes a special company to support a worker like Tilson. The best of the best work at the best of the best companies, and in our last podcast, we got a tiny touch of the gentleman you are going to get to know better today. He's the man at the helm of Advanced Roofing in South Florida, where Tilson works, and his impact goes far beyond just roofing.
2: Hi, I'm Rob Kornarins, founder, CEO, president of Advanced Roofing. We're a large commercial, mainly re-roofing company in the state of Florida with seven branches. And today we have about 650 employees. We also do commercial solar and commercial HVAC, as well as lightning protection. I actually grew up in Long Island, New York, and I lived next to a family that had a large commercial third generation roofing company, Triple M Roofing. So I worked high school and college uh, for Triple M on the summers, and then I was graduating from the University of Arizona in 1979. And my boss offered to open a branch in Atlanta, Georgia, which um, I was playing rugby at the University of Arizona. They had three rugby teams in Atlanta. So that was one of my career choices uh, as much as the uh, going into the commercial roofing. So I got to Atlanta, 79. I was uh, 21 years old and opened up branch and... um, got that going. And my boss decided to have me run Fort Lauderdale office in 1982. So I moved down to Fort Lauderdale in 1982, started advanced roofing in 1983, just borrowed $15,000 from my dad, bought a pickup truck, um, didn't have any real big vision of where I was going. I just knew that I wanted to do quality work and uh, make the customers happy. And that little formula seemed to attract some good people. I I can't take the credit for where we are today. It's all about the people around you. Uh, Gentleman, Danny Stokes came on board early on and he was my counterbalance. I was a shoot, shoot, aim guy, and he was an aim, aim, shoot. And he put a lot of standard operating procedures in place that you really need to grow a company. Um, You know, I was just, you know, yellow it you know, day to day and he, uh, yeah, helped write the SLPs, and you know, kept on going. Even to this day, we're very big on standardizing all our systems. Uh, all our systems are uh, all paperless. All our accounting and HR and uh, estimating, everything is really you know paperless. So, it was a, a team effort to get to where we are today. Uh, so. Proud of the people around me. Uh, today, I'm very blessed to have my twin boys. Uh, they're 40, and they're kind of the same. The balance, you know, Michael's like me, and Kevin's more of the A main, very detailed. Got his uh, undergrad at FSU and masters at UM and. Finance, marketing. So we have a great balance, and Clint Sockman, he's a partner. So we we really balance really well, and that's important. Um, and then we, we know everybody's sandbox, right? So we just kind of stay out of the sandboxes, but we all meet every week and discuss, you know, our issues or what needs to be fixed or what we can do better.
1: Rob has built a team within his company where individuals bring their unique skill sets to the table, and this collective makes the company great. Over time, the company has grown into the ability to give back in a multitude of ways. However, no company begins with the ability to do this out of the gate.
2: Yeah, When you first start out, you know, money's tight. You know, I've been through a lot of times when I, you know, you got to look at, what's going on the company's growing a little bit of recession you know how when we didn't make money how do you do how do you give out bonuses when you do and i've always had to you know prime the pump type of thing and take care of your employees first even if it meant getting another mortgage on your house you know whatever it took and then the community thing i it just uh it's always been in my dna to help people you know uh being a libra you know It's uh, how do you you fix things? How do you you help people?
1: Once Rob and his team saw opportunities to get involved and help people with the resources they had, it did not take long for there to be many places to give back.
2: It's like Habitat Humanity was probably one of my first uh, really you know, endeavors, some people I knew introduced me to the concept of a hand up, not a handout, right? So you'd be able to build a house and they can get in at a a very reasonable mortgage rate. They own it. Uh, So I I embraced that. And um, today we have a CEO build that uh, 30 companies put at five grand a piece and we are able to build a house. And we actually all go out there on a Saturday and do that. That was a big one the ms bike ride um, a friend of mine ended up having ms and i started cycling on the road and i'm like well i'm gonna do this bike ride and then uh, a few years later i've been done my one niece was diagnosed and then the other niece so today i'm 20 years into it we raised over 750 grand um but just um you know you just do things the right thing and um it's it's more, you know, pleasure to us and the, and the company to get them involved and even go out. And we have a committee that works on community service. Uh, we're we're going to be doing a Habitat house. We had an unfortunate, very unfortunate uh, day before Thanksgiving. A 15-year-old employee was struck by a truck on the side of the road while he was going to a job site. They had a flat and um, we put a new roof on the widow's house, and we're going out last Saturday to paint it with ABC Cares, and we had fifty people sign up that was going to go out and, and paint the house. So when you develop a culture of community, uh, it's it's really uh, really nice. Um, my hats off to Antis Roofing now in California. He does a great job. Uh, he. He actually uh, won the CNA award right behind me uh, when we did Hurricane Doreen. It was a, after every hurricane, we're always putting things together, mostly blue tarps, and getting in very fast. And we had gotten our, you know boats, we boats loaded with tarps, generators, gas, got over to Freeport, unloaded that, and then we kept on working on it. We got calls and. Put a group together. Uh, actually, spec us uh, by. They did a great job. They they got us a few thousand squares of shingles. They they were cleaning out uh, and, you know some old inventory around the country and shipping it to us. And I think we got uh, over five thousand squares for thirty homes, something like that. Along with Gene Falls certified roofing, and Rob Foot from Furman. So it was a group effort. You know which, when, you, when people are in need, it's amazing how it doesn't matter where you're from, you a competitor or whatever, you just come together. and We have a great association in the South Florida, South Florida Roofers Association that does a lot. They have, uh, we have an annual fishing tournament and um, every year they uh, raise about 200,000 for Make-A-Wish. And um, it's really, I don't know, it's just, it becomes contagious, you know, uh, on giving back. and a lot of a lot of good companies in in Florida are like that in in our roofing community of giving back. and that's it's great to see and great to be part of. Has made landfall in the Bahamas Dorian a slow moving
1: monster. This category five storm, category five hurricane force, winds just about 225 miles
2: per hour. Tonight, the Bahamas tonight torn, apart. Tonight torn apart
1: one of the strongest Atlantic hurricanes in history. Rob briefly mentioned some of the hurricane efforts, but this really is what brings us to our topic today. When Hurricane Dorian struck the Bahamas in September of 2019, it caused $3.4 billion in damage, and it left 70,000 people homeless. Rob developed a coordinated effort to repair those homes. His company goes above and beyond in their efforts to serve when a hurricane hits. And as you've heard him say, it's a team effort. Not just within his own company, but the companies within his association, who all combine their resources and help out. But how does all of this disaster relief support get managed and then executed?
2: You know, the first thing we always do is really, you know, we get up in the air. We have you know, a couple planes, and we we fly over. So we were really one of the first flights over the Bahamas to assess, and we could tell that it was extensive i mean and and it's you know there's different depths or uh, you know of hurricanes and this lot a lot of this was you know complete houses all foundations and you know a lot of lives lost and um, you know we so you have to assess and then you we get with uh, we got with uh, local government and local businesses and you know assess the needs we actually um friend of mine owns resolve marine he's got mission resolve which he brought in diesel plants they we hired a, a cruise line to bring people back and forth so we're i was one of many of a whole assessment for the whole not only roofing but the whole needs Um, And then, you know, we we start sending whatever we can over there. Not so much the people. um, It's more the coordination, because usually there's plenty of of bodies that can't work because their house is destroyed or whatever. Um, there's a lot of NGOs, uh, Samaritan's Purse, uh, the, the, actually, the way I got so involved in Freeport, I played rugby, old boy rugby, and there was a rugby club with a a clubhouse and a pitch and, um, they had roof damage. So we sent the material over there and they had an NGO that was living in the clubhouse, uh, just taking care of them. These volunteers are are really spectacular that go in and just don't get paid and just, uh, no hot showers, and the, you know, food is minimum, and just give their time and efforts uh, to be part of it is really, you know, getting kind of goosebumps thinking about it. But it's really special to to be able to be go in and be you know help out in your little way, you know. It was, uh, you know, a group effort, and and then along with some money that people that said, "Hey, I just want to give some money," and and it was good. And the people all, you know, over in the Bahamas were able to logistically take the material, make sure it wasn't, you know, it's, I hate to say it, sometimes people get greedy and they get this free material. And next thing you know, they're trying to sell it out the back door. But fortunately, we had some really good partners that made sure the needs were there. That the people didn't have property insurance, and that they, this was really hitting the proper homes—the people that really needed. That's a that's you know bigger than you would think uh, when it comes to helping out after a hurricane.
1: As you can see, the needs were vast. New roofs were not the only things people would need, but even navigating the true needs and the individuals who could most benefit from the help could be a challenge. The help to identify those in need would come from a source greatly in need themselves.
2: When we went over there, we were setting up at the rugby clubhouse with all the supplies and everything. And I went to the church next door and they lost the whole roof. They lost plywood. It was like a big skylight. So I walked in there and um, there was a pastor comes out and he's by himself and he's just looking at everything, shaking his head. And, you know, he just didn't know what he was going to do, you know. So immediately, you know, as a Christian and helping people out, immediately he went into action and and started to locate some more tarps. We actually drove, drove some over there and gathered some plywood for him. So it was really a, a special calling, I would say, that. You know, the church was right next to the rugby where I was setting up, and I went in there and it was just him and I talking. But anytime there's any type of disaster, people need help going through churches, whether you belong to one or not, they're, you know, I just walked in and the pastor, arms wide open, he needed our help and it was just one of those things. So we look to them to find the people in need because they're the ones that really are in the community and know who, who needs help the most.
1: When we come back, we will hear from one of Rob's sons and learn all about the intricacies of Advanced Roofing's work in the Bahamas over the long haul.
0: You enjoy roofing podcasts, so I want to introduce you to my friend, John Esbenshade. He is the host of a podcast I love called Growing America's Roofing Workforce. John, tell us about this important podcast. Hey, Jared, Growing America's Roofing Workforce is all about answering this one simple question. What can we all do to help grow the roofing industry's future workforce? I bring an expert guest to discuss different ways to help recruit, train, and retain future members of the roofing industry. It's a fun and engaging conversation all about finding solutions to the roofing industry's greatest problem, finding and recruiting great talent. Listen and subscribe to Growing America's Roofing Workforce podcast. You will be glad you did. Your roof job from six months ago is calling, and it's probably not to say thank you. Remember when they said a cover board didn't matter? That's because building owners don't always think about the battering their rooftops may take over a lifetime. Densdeck Roofboards help protect against routine foot traffic, future installs like solar panels or HVAC, catastrophic weather events, and fire. Make sure Densdeck Roofboard doesn't get value engineered out of your next job. You'll strengthen your rooftops and your client relationships. Visit densdeck.com slash stop callbacks for more information.
1: heard Rob mention his twin sons earlier. One of them, Michael, spoke with us about his role as executive vice president of Advanced Roofing and how his oversight of operations and sales at the company puts him on the front line of a lot of this natural disaster work. And nicely enough, his professional work is not the only tie he has to the Bahamas. This is a little more personal for him.
3: Over the years, we've developed a lot of long-term relationships in the Bahamas. I, um, I fish over there a lot and become family with a lot of the guys that live over there and our business partners as well. So we, um, when the hurricane hit and after it cleared, we loaded actually up my boat as well. Um, we had some people donate boats and, and loaded them down with supplies and uh, went over to, we went into Freeport because that was the first harbor that we could get into that opened up. Um, and unloaded the supplies on that one, um, got them fresh water, like everything from diapers uh, food, uh, roofing materials that they could get some stuff dried in some of the basic stuff that was, that needed, they needed to get back on their feet right away. Um, majority of the people, even my business partners all lost their houses, lost their businesses in the storm. So we had to get them some stuff to get them back on their feet. The the issue with a lot of it was trying to make sure the stuff got into the right hands over there. And that's, we kind of went from the, the grassroots, um, on the distribution side, a lot of the big charities were going into big warehouses and the stuff was all sitting there, and they couldn't figure how to get it out. So we were bringing stuff in through the local marinas and then actually divvying it up with people that were actually were really in need of the of the items. Um, and everybody had different needs. Some people had children. Some people, I think, we brought some oxygen tanks over for some elderly folks that had a emphysema, things of that nature. Outside of the Bahamas. Um, in my, my position in a, in a roofing company, we have a lot of national disaster contracts, so we are first responders in any hurricane situation to help secure the roof after the, you know life and safety is secured through the local authorities. so we're used to going into situations like that, bringing generators, water, food, everything you need to, you know to support it to help rebuild the society in the Bahamas, it was a little different because it's, it's got they're more like family over there, a lot of the people that live over there. I've, I spend a lot of time in the Bahamas every year, um, throughout all the island chain. Um, So, I'd say I've probably almost done every major hurricane that's gone through in the last 15 years, in one fashion or another. Whether it's bringing stuff over in boats, I'm a pilot as well, so I fly things in for people. And um, if you ever are in the outer chain of the Bahamas, it's it's not it's always who you know and how you you know the family that's there, um, and everybody's there to help each other. Um, people to this day still come back and stay with me in my house on this side of the the pond um, and vice versa, we stay with them and it's always about helping each other.
1: As you heard Rob mention earlier, trying to get resources to the right people is challenging. Michael saw this firsthand and had to help navigate the challenge of making sure the donated resources made it to the right hands. And he was able to do this because of the partnerships they have with many companies all working towards one goal.
3: A lot of charities and a lot of people are trying to do a lot of good things but it, it always doesn't get to the right hands in the Bahamas uh, unfortunately um, there's a lot of politics and who and I think um, it's it, that was a big challenge after that the, the last hurricane that went through there is really getting the stuff to the right people that that were in need and not not sitting in the warehouses I had first-hand experience on ground zero looking at old hangars full of supplies and like buyers and giving it out they're like well they're, we don't know how or who to give it to and the stuff kept coming and they're like finally like, stop bringing this this and this because we have plenty of it but we're trying to figure out how to distribute it um unfortunately the bahamas doesn't have a fema does, you know they have some natural some government resources but they're not as well as prepared as the u.s government and local municipalities and distributing stuff there's i don't want to say corruption, but there's just a lot of, uh, you know, they'll help, they'll help their friends if it not help the whole community, and we want to help the whole community. We have a lot of ties, and it seems like a lot of people in the construction industry all love the Bahamas, love the people, so everybody wanted to do something, so it's kind of helping coordinate, like I said earlier, trying to get the, the items into the right hands and, the, the you know, the people that were truly in need, so we were helping quarterback back that as far as relationships. And understanding what the needs were. So, you know, they're not sending over whatever, the ten thousand gallons of bottled of water, you know, pallets of bottle of water. Meanwhile, there's plenty of water sitting on the ground over there. They really need, you know, whatever, diapers, dry canned food, um, things of that nature for, for the people that are trying to just survive, right? They are simple things. A lot of people lost all their clothes. They didn't have any clothes, right? And they didn't have any personal items left because the water level got so high, a lot of the stuff washed out um, and, or was destroyed in, in, in the floods that happened. Uh, people didn't realize it wasn't mostly wind damage. The flood damage did a lot more than the 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 actual wind in those scenarios. Um, that's you know, that's we're trying to quarterback that and get the, like I said earlier, get the things in the right hands, get the items and the and the the goodwill to the to the the right people.
1: One thing that sets the cornerans apart is their long-term commitment to helping the infrastructure in the Bahamas, far beyond the natural disasters they weather. Philanthropic work like this is most successful when you create ongoing relationships and continue to show up for people time and time again.
3: We're still always in, like I said earlier, present in the Bahamas. I mean, I probably spend 50 days a year over there as far as supporting and helping the people. Um, if you start going to some of the outer chain islands, they get a mail boat once a week and that's it. Uh, no one really realizes the infrastructure and, you know, they, they go on vacation to the they see Nassau or Freeport, which are the two biggest islands and don't realize there's over a hundred other islands out there that get one delivery, one mail boat a week, um, helped out. I took a guy out last year that had leukemia. I, he couldn't get a flight out for weeks out of one island, and I went and picked him up and and brought him back to get his treatment. Um, so there's there's always something to do over there, and you know it's not always the big picture. Right? Everybody likes the the glory of a hurricane coming in, thinking it, but it's the little things that go in day and in, day out over the summer times, commuting back and forth, bringing parts for. You know, a generator, or I brought parts for a water—the the water desal plant—over in um, in Crooked Island this summer because they couldn't have any fresh water. So there's always a lot of little things you could do over there. I'm always um, impartial to the outer islands. Um, it's more of a family culture than the, the bigger islands. Um, they uh, they have less resources, less government funding. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty eye opening when you go and everybody's, you know, the 500 people that live on an island or 300 people living on an island, they, they have one store, one restaurant on this whole island, right? Um, one, one generator, they lose a transformer. They're out of power for a week. Um, I think a lot of people on the state side take a lot of those things for granted. Um, you know, FPNL's is down for 15 minutes or your power company's down for 15 minutes. Everybody thinks the world ended. Now these people down there are used to living without. Fresh running water and power for weeks because they're waiting for the next mailboat to bring the park to fix it, right? but there's a, there's a lot of that going on outside of a natural disaster that people don't realize.
2: yeah. well, once you open up the spigot, you know they uh, there's a lot of asks. and you know, it, we almost become a little bit of a clearinghouse, depending on what the asks are, you know. So we we do the initial one, but then there'll be hey, do you know somebody that can get you know a generator here or there? And so we we uh, we become a conduit for help, you know. So we do whatever we can. We don't say you know no, that's it, that's all we got, you know. We we're always there to pick up the phone and say let me see who I can call. And it's amazing when you, you know, you call other people. And um, I remember Sutton fan lines, they, uh, they, they had a barge, you know, and they, they were like, Hey, we got empty space, you know, and like, Oh, I, we got these people that need some lumber. Can we put it on the, your barge? Oh yeah, of course. Bring it over. You know, just things like that. It's, you become a, a conduit.
1: In 2021, Advanced Roofing won the CNA-NRCA Community Involvement Award for the Bahamas Strong Relief Efforts. This award is in recognition of Advanced Roofing's work with Enterprise Palm Beach for the Bahamas Strong Foundation. Rob, Michael, and the entire Advanced Roofing team are so inspired by the people of the Bahamas. This symbiotic relationship has given to both parties in immense ways.
2: You know, when I look at hurricanes in the Bahamas and you know the the people's resiliency to rebuild is truly amazing. Um, you know, we, you know, just uh, go over there months after, and people still don't have power, and all you hear is generators running. And you know, their their attitude is, "Hey, we're going to rebuild." You know, the resiliency, and I think that's. You know, I think it's a worldwide thing. I think humans have a natural ability to adapt to the crisis and just, and help, you know. So um, that's, that's, I think, you know, sums up what I, my, my opinion is. Humanity is people helping everybody.
1: NRCA is incredibly proud of the work Advanced Roofing is doing in Florida and in the many places beyond their own backyard. Thank you, Rob Cornarens and Michael Cornarens, for lending your voices to this amazing story. Thank you for all you have done to elevate the roofing industry. You are extraordinary roofers. We could not produce this episode without the help from our sponsor, DensDeck. Go to densdeck.com slash to learn all about how DensDeck roof boards help protect against routine foot traffic, future installs, catastrophic weather events, and fire. Also, don't forget about John Espenshade's podcast, Growing America's Roofing Workforce, helping roofing companies attract and retain roofing talent. If you found this episode valuable, share it with someone you know who needs to hear it and give it a rating in whatever podcast platform you are listening. This episode was written and produced for the National Roofing Contractors Association by Crystal Ribble and Advantage Music Production. I am your host, Crystal Ribble, and as always, be well, be safe, and be proud of this great industry.